The following message contains sensitive topic information that may not be suited for children. We ask that you please use discernment before listening to this message. Thank you. What, are, what crazy times, right, we're living. This is uh, pretty uh, unheard of. I've never gone through anything like what I've gone through in the last few months, and I'm sure you haven't either. And um, I want you to know whether you're following us online or you're new here at the church, maybe you're just checking things out. Um, there's a lot of different changes. We don't have the little connection card anymore. So I want to encourage you, if you're new, uh, you're not just somebody in the crowd. I want to encourage you to connect with us. We have a, a digital connect card. If you go to lifepointfc.com forward slash connect and just give us a little bit of your information and we will connect with you as much as possible. We want you to know that you matter to, um, to us and you matter to God. Um, you know, today we were supposed to br- uh, begin a brand new series. It, it was, it's called, it's still on, but we're not going to begin today. It's called Unshakable, and I want to encourage you to follow it along throughout the summer. It's about the, the life of Daniel, and basically the theme behind that series is thriving no matter what hits you. Have you ever gone through something that you feel like, man, I just don't know if I can recover. This was a blow, man. This was a, this was a definitely one that like, it's almost got me knocked out. Well, you can thrive no matter what hits you if you learned a few principles from the book of Daniel. The series is still on, but we're going to postpone it till next week, okay? So make sure that you come back, whether it's live or online, you come back and you follow it. We'll begin next week. Um, you know, this last, the week before last, I was, I took three days away, unplugged, turned my phone off, which I don't ever do, did not watch the news. It was kind of like a miniature sabbatical for me. And um, I just needed some time just away from people, just away from ministry, just away from everything. And um, I drove back on Friday. Saturday, I got ready for the message last week. Sunday, of course, we had the service. We had it here. Most, many of you actually watched it online. And then Monday, I'm watching the news of what had been happening in the last seven days. And my heart broke. Vivian actually called me and she said, hey, are you going to say anything about what's happening? And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, you know. And, um, you know, watching the news, it just, it just broke my heart. And I knew for the next 12 hours as I'm getting ready for the message, even though I had everything lined up for last week, for this week, um, God began to work in my heart and he said, you know, you, you need to have a conversation and today, that's what I want to do. I want, to, I want us to have a conversation about this. You know, what's been happening is it's so close to the heartbeat of, of life point. Before all the riots took place, before all the craziness happened, I want you to know that as a church, the vision that God has given us is we're one family, culturally diverse. That is from, from day one, three years ago when the, the church called us, you know, God gave us that vision. We want to be one family. We want to be united, one family, culturally diverse. And so if it is okay with you, and I hope it is, I want us to ask some difficult questions, okay? And I'm going to ask a panel. If you guys just come up on stage, get the chairs ready. I want us to take a, just a few minutes to, um, thank you, Natalie. I want us to take just a few minutes to have a conversation about race, injustice, and the heart of God. And whether you are here or you're following us online, I want you to know that as a church, we don't shy away from the difficult questions. You know, we've talked about some issues that are very difficult. And I want you to know that we may not have all the answers. In fact, more often than not, we have more questions than answers. And we will be honest with you when we think that there is something that's scriptural. We'll stand on those things. When we think that there is things that are, you know, they're based on biblical principles, we'll let you know those things. When I'm going to give you my opinion, I'll let you know, this is what I believe this is my opinion, and that it's just that. But I believe that as a church, we need to learn to stand up for what's right. As people of God, we need to learn to stand up for what God has called us to stand up. But before we stand up, we need to learn to sit down 
and open up the conversation lines and just have a conversation. And so I've asked Vivian if she would um, lead our conversation today. We have some questions that we've prepared, and I've asked this panel to, to just be vulnerable with us today because we're, we're dealing with so many changes, you know, and there's so many things. Some are good. Some are like, man, they're just shocking. But I believe that, I believe that by opening up the dialogue, it's a, it's a first, it's a good first step to take. I want to begin with a quote from um, Martin Luther King that I think it is appropriate for us today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 17, 22. We're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 17, 22. I have a great message for you guys. Um, but before we do that, let's spend a little bit of time talking. Uh, and I want to begin with this quote real quick. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, we must learn to live together as brothers or we will perish together as fools. Man, I think that, there's, that, that, that is so powerful. We must learn to live together as brothers or we will perish together as fools. And so would you bow with a word of prayer with me and let's pray and then we'll, we'll get into the message. Father God, thank you so much for this day that you've created Thank you for every person that's here, every person that's watching, every person that's listening. God, I pray that as we, as we begin this conversation, God, I pray that you'd remove all pride. God, I pray that you would you just help us to be vulnerable. And God, I pray for everybody that's right behind me right now. Thank you for their obedience to you. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for being willing to put themselves on, on the spot. And God, I just pray that you would use us as a church. And God that we would be faithful in what you call us to do. We ask, that, we ask that you would bless the next hour that we spend in your word. And um, we thank you that we get to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Vivian, would you kind of lead us, lead the conversation about race, injustice, and the heart of God? Would you guys give him a hand, please? Um. Yeah, this is, um, I want to start out just addressing, addressing some things, and um, there's a quote that, um, that came to mind I want to share that with you guys. Um, this is just from a, a, an artist that I follow on, <laughs> on social media, but she's a, a believer, and she said, regarding this issue, regarding the issues of race and racism, she says, Perfection is not a prerequisite to participation. You do not have to have all of the perfect words to say something. You do not have to know where to start to get started. We all know enough, though, to know that racism is wrong. We condemn it, and we call it by name. As believers, we all have a personal responsibility to say something. That's good. It doesn't have to be perfect. But we do have to say something. Yeah. And so. one, of, one of the challenges that we were talking about is, you know, we're going to put ourselves on the stage. And I told them, be yourself. Because the truth is, you know, when you, whenever you speak to a crowd of people, um, no matter what size it is, someone will agree with you and somebody will disagree. And so there needs to be freedom. And I told them, look, you're on, you're on the stage because we trust you. So be vulnerable. Be yourself. Be transparent and know that, hey, no, nobody's perfect. But I think just the step of beginning the conversation, it's huge. So thank you guys for, for being willing to, to be here. Yes, definitely. Um, so, yeah, um, if you guys feel any discomfort as we go forward, I, I, that's okay. I would encourage you to ask yourselves why mm. and to ask the Lord to speak to that discomfort. Um, because as believers, as we're walking forward in this goal to be Christ-like, this work must be done. Yes. So, as we get started, Etrel, um, I'll start with you. How, how are you doing? How, what, are, what feelings are, are most, most prominent for you these days? Personally, um, I'm, doing, <laughs> I'm doing well. Um, but also, in my heart, there, it feels that there's a leak, almost, like there's a tear in my heart. 
looking out on the world that I live in, looking out on the world that I'm bringing my child into, looking out on the world that I have brothers and sisters of many thicknesses of melanin, and whether mm. they don't have much or whether they have many, that we, we're living in a world right now that it's time to stop being quiet about something that is affecting all of us and is bringing us down. It's not bringing us up as a church, as individuals, yes. uh, and specifically as Christians and even unbelievers right now. Um, there, there's racism. I mean, we all know it's, it's not a secret. These are things that are Im- impacting our house, the way we, we're living, the way we're... we're um, anyways, first and foremost, I'd like to say that I serve a mighty God. Amen. That's what I would like to say. I, I serve a mighty God that has allowed me to be able to see, to speak, to take everything in and react. And right now is the time that we need to react because we don't want to end as a fool. We don't want to be ignorant to the things that are happening right now. Um, but I believe as, as a church, as a church in this world, we can have an example, be the example of Christ and, and love one another. I believe that's, that's the goal and I believe we're going to get there. I believe this is the uncomfort that we feel right now is something that we need to feel so we can feel that peace. Mm, that's good. Man, that's good, buddy. You didn't say that earlier, but that was good, right, man? <laughs> that's good. You guys got a freebie there. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so Stephanie, Nicole, and Nicholas, you guys have uh, another, another perspective to all of this as being members of the Hispanic community. Um, and then, obviously, Nicole is being the wife of Etrell and the mother of your of your of your child. And due in um, October. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what what are what is what is y'all's take on this as members of um, as as members of the Hispanic community as you guys look on? Um. Earlier I cried, so I'm, I'm going to try not to cry, but if I do, I'm sorry. Um, I think um, how the Hispanic community feels right now is just broken, just like everybody else. Um, we've experienced the same, we ex- still experience the same racism that, you know, the black community is going through right now, but it's not as intense, it's not as harsh as the, the racism against the black community. Um, Right now, I think I've been seeing on Facebook about how some of my Hispanic friends have been saying, oh, why isn't the black community, why didn't they protest us when, you know, all these, uh, like, you know, the immigration detention centers, why did nobody protest us? And it's just, it's not about us right now. It's, we don't need to be selfish in this situation. We need to unite because that is ultimately dividing us from, and taking away from what our goal is right now is fighting this fight that our black brothers and sisters are fighting and we need to unite in that situation that's what I'm telling my Hispanic community right now is we need to be united and fight this fight and then later on we can fight what our fight is so um, that's what I'm telling my Hispanic community right now cool Um, that's good do either of you have any thoughts to to add? sure Um, I think one of the things, me as being his wife, <laughs> um, I've, I've been confronted with reality, uh, not as I think it should be, because sometimes I create my own little bubble of this is how reality should be, and I pretend that we actually live in that kind of reality uh, when the reality is different. And so I think sometimes um, as an outsider looking in, I can say, oh, well, this or that, and have all these opinions, but not not listen. And um, I think I think that's a key point is being able, is being willing um, to listen without prejudice, without uh, preconceived ideas, or without even our own political stance. Because a lot of times, Vivian and I were talking that we equate racial issues with politics and 
really it's 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 a heart issue it's not a political issue mm. um first and foremost it's a heart issue and whenever we can deal with the heart then the politics and the policies and all that kind of thing because that's an external representation of what's in the heart as a nation and so whenever we can change our own heart that's when policies and political things and whatnots will change. Um, and if we try to change from the outside in, it's not going to work. But when we take the time to change from the inside out, that's when real change happens. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so with all, you know, there's, there's so many voices, um, social media and news outlets and everybody and their cousin is saying something about it. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of people that I'm seeing who might make the argument or, or make the argument that systemic racism is not an issue, that that is not something that is prevalent um, in our community or in our country. Um, do you guys, Utrell, do you have any thoughts on that? I definitely believe that systemic racism is is evident in our present right now. I believe that um, racism has been a thing in the hearts of very many people. You know, it, actually, in a way that it, um, we've been ignoring it. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. It's uh, systemic racism in a way that I can't walk into a store without being seen as a criminal before the, anyone even knows my name, before I get a good morning in the in a store or something like that, they're like, okay, who's that guy? Do I need to protect my freight? Do I need to, uh, do we need to arm ourselves? <laughs> because this man's coming in here. It's, um, you know. Uh, That's good, man. Yeah. You know, you, would you guys, would you share a little bit of how you feel when you're going to work right now? And, and Nicole, if you want to add maybe a little bit of, you know, your experiences that you've experienced, you know, like the police, you know, all that. Would you share a little bit of that, kind of how people look at you uh, in different environments, different situations? As far as my everyday life at work, I have to wake up, make sure I look completely presentable. I don't want to offend anybody because if, if a situation comes up to where there's an authority or a police officer or a manager, if they see me in any way less than you know, um, up to par with, with them and their, their, as if there's only one way to be. You know, I have to find a way to be exactly the way that they need me to be in order to survive in this system. I feel like I can't, I can't be passionate about something. I can't use my hands. I can't say, we need this. Like, I can't do any of that without having the, being affected as if, okay, we, we need to do something, because no one's ever really hearing my words, I feel like. In many situations, I could be, I could be talking about the peaceful protests and say, okay, yeah, we need to hear things. It's good that everyone's doing it peacefully, and people are like, oh, well, they're this and this and this. Maybe if they did this and this and this, it's like, man, don't you know that our heart is hurting? Can you, can, can you offer any compassion to us without me having to get on my knees and, and beg you. To, you know, it's, it's come to a point to where it's necessary for us to be able to, to stand on the side of the road as um, upright as we can to say, hey, um, I know you. It, this makes you feel uncomfortable, but can we live with you? <laughs> you know, and that's just Good. how it feels every day I go to work. It's like I want to be okay. I want to be able to make it home to my child I want to be able to know my dad's going to work. He does landscaping. He's, he's in a, a lot of different places. I want to be able to know that my dad is okay. I want to know that my sister's going to be able to make it home to her children. You know, I don't want to, you know, nobody should have to think that when they wake up in the morning. It's not really, it's not normal, mm. you know. Yeah. But it's, be, it's been desensitized for the black community, and I'm sure it's been desensitized for the Hispanic community. That we, it's like, okay, this is just the way it is. We need to find a way to live with them. Yeah, that's so. good. Nicole? Um, as an outsider looking in, I sometimes in the past would say, oh, they're exaggerating. There's not really uh, racism. I mean, yeah, it, it might have lessened a lot from how it was maybe 50 years ago, but there is still stuff there. And um, I think one of the experiences that really opened my eyes was one time we were at the store at home, 
and we, I, I get, I'm assuming the cop saw us or something, but we, and at the time, the car that he was driving didn't have a bumper on the front. Um, so anyway, we pulled out, you know, everything's up to date on the car, the tags, all of it. Uh, we were going the speed limit, um, but the cop followed us, and we're like, okay, you know, double-checking everything, making sure that we're doing everything right, but the, you know, he turned on his lights, so we we pulled over, um, and as soon as, you know, I've never had an experience where cops were mean to me or rude or anything. Usually cops are very nice to me, and so he, the, this cop comes up to the car and immediately has this tone that I'd never experienced from an authority figure in my life. Um, very, very rude, and is asking for the information, and he's like, do you have anything in the car that I need to know about? And it's like, no, sir. No, sir. And he kept asking, like, are you sure you don't have any? I'm, I will search this car. I mean, you can search the car, sir, but we don't have anything that you need to know about. Um, and so he pulls Etrell out. Like, he doesn't actually, like, physically pull him, but he asks him to step out. Um, and I'm watching them from the rearview mirror, and the cop's, like, waving his hands and being very uh, aggressive in his stance. Um, and I might add, this was a lighter skin. I don't know if he was white or Hispanic, but he was a lighter skin, of course. And um, he just, and, you know, Etrell had was always saying, yes, sir, you know, very, very submissive, like, you know, hands where he could, where, you know, the cop could see his hands. They weren't in his pockets. He wasn't like, he had to be very careful with how he was placing his hands and his demeanor. Um, and so finally, Etrell comes back, and I'm like, what did he ask you? He's like, well, he's, the cop was saying, you know, I will find out anything that you're hiding. I didn't want to embarrass you in front of your lady friend, but I will find out everything that you're hiding. You have to tell me right now if anything that's happening, uh, you, you know, just ran, very, it seemed very out of the blue um, for just a standard, you know, and the, the excuse that they pulled us over for was the missing bumper. But they just said that once when, with all the other stuff that they were talking about. And so after we left, I was like, well, the cop's just doing his job. You know, I'm still trying to justify what, what was going on, but at the same time, he's like, Man, do you not see how bad? I mean, there's a, there's a right way of doing things. Um, and of course, Etrell doesn't believe that all cops are evil. I have family members that are cops. I don't believe cops are evil, but there is a right way of doing things and there is a wrong way of doing things. And um, yeah. That's good. Yeah, that is good. Thank you guys for sharing your experiences. Um, and that just speaks to the fact that there is, there is an issue of systemic racism in our culture and the point of this, the point of the conversations that are happening that are so good, good conversations, is to address these issues and say, the church will not stand for it. Um, so with, with all of that, with the church being here, and we're like, okay, we're here, we're ready, we're, we're not going to stand by anymore. Um, how do we move forward? Um, what's, what's our, you know, we talk about next steps a lot. What is the next step for the church, both locally, LifePoint, but then also, like, as a, as a global church, what, you know, the, those are the questions that we're confronted with. Like, okay, we see this is wrong. What do we do next um, with the goal of reconciliation in light of the gospel? The only way to reconcile what's going on currently in our society is the church because Jesus is the only one that can, that can save us, mm. you know. And the church starts, the image, first image of the church starts in the home. So I know my child is going to be born. I have to carry myself in a way that, that I'm an example of Christ. And the church, that's because I'm a part of the church, but I'm not the church alone. That's Everyone, that's all the children of God. It's up to all of us to 
to carry that compassion, to be empathetic, to be sympathetic. When you see someone hurting, you should be like, okay, I don't know how that feels, but I see that it hurts, and I've been hurt before. What can I do to breed the peace that Christ gives to me? The, the Prince of Peace has told me to be the face, you know, to show everyone that... Um, that he loves us. Mm. So when there's uh, somebody walking by you, it, t- it takes no effort to say, hey, how are you? Oh, and, and you want someone to be able to look at you and be like, oh, they, they aren't looking at me as, as a criminal. They're looking right at me. And so they can say, oh, I'm doing well. The goal is for the church to not be afraid to talk, not be afraid to interact with someone that's different than them. Because mm. the church is, is diverse. The, the, the church is not one, one color. You know what I'm saying? The church is, is a force. It's a, it's a, it's a foundation for, for this world to, to, to grow off of. You know? yes. We're supposed to be building a, we're supposed to be building a church that will not be blown over by wind, mm. that will not be knocked down by rocks. You know? it's, it's, uh, it's up to us to, to fix this. Yeah, that's good. The way I usually put it, it's a movement. You know, when Jesus came up with the word church, it's not this. The word church, it was a group of people who are on the move sharing the gospel. And that's why we've gone and we've put so much effort in, you know, going online so people can follow us. And uh, powerful, man. Thank you for sharing that. Can I? Add yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I've been on... On th- this whole week, like on on Monday, he came home, and it was just like Nicole. I just feel so weighed down, like just just heavy, and um, and that produced in me well, not just that, but just everything that's happening. I, you know, I have my stances on policies and politics, and I have ways of looking at things and how sh- things should be and how things are right or how things are wrong. But a lot of the things that I was thinking were in conflict with how stuff is going on and how people are feeling. And so um, I started praying in my heart and in my mind, saying, Lord, I, out of everyone, you have an opinion. I, I don't know what to tell me how to think because I want to know what you think. And, you know, in God's great kindness and mercy, he, he is amazing. So I... Um, Tuesday night, I had a dream where in this dream, I saw Etrell, and he was, um, I was in darkness, complete darkness, and I was able to see him, but he was completely engulfed in the darkness, and I was crying out for him, but uh, like he couldn't hear me, and he just disappeared, and then suddenly, all these other voices, like they were, they're whispering, and it just sounded like, a, like an ocean of voices all around me, and um and then I started feeling this weight on my whole body. And then I tried to, like, move to try to push it off. But my hands and my feet were chained. Now, I have no idea if I was up against the wall or if I was on the ground. I have no idea because it was dark. Um, but all these voices were around me. And I start, like, thrashing and moving, trying, trying to move. But there's, I couldn't. Um, and I start crying out, but my voice isn't heard. Even though all the people around me, I knew that they knew I was there, and they, I knew that they knew I needed help. Um, and so I'm, I'm struggling, and I, I, I hear the Lord in my dream. And he asks me, uh, Nicole, what, what's missing? And in my struggle, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's missing. And he, um, he says to me, Nicole, compassion compassion is what's missing from these people and in that moment he didn't like the dream ended there but it he didn't take me out of that situation because I'm pretty sure the people around me were supposed to take me out of the situation and in that moment I feel like I understood just a little bit of what black brothers and sisters feel um or how they they might perceive things and in the world as it is right now. That's good. Um, compassion. 
compassion. Pastor Nicholas, um, what are your what are your thoughts? What do you view as as this as this whole thing is unfolding and the role of the church and in light of everything that we've heard? Yeah, I think we have to call it the way it is. Uh, prejudging, uh, racism, not loving your neighbor, just what God calls it, a sin. And we all have been participated on that. It's not only one race uh, affected, but we all, you know, even if you had said it or you had thought about it. And one next step that we talk in church that I believe we can take is just get to know each other better. And deeper yet, get to know your neighbor. You know, don't be guided by your heart, by appearance. And uh, also I would say, um, let's see each other as God sees us. You know, let's love each other the way Jesus taught us to love each one. That's good. Yeah, seeing each other as God sees us, seeing each other as image bearers of God that every single person, believer or not, is made in the image and likeness of the holy God. That's good. How about we give, him, give it up for these guys? Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. You know, it's not easy to, you know, be put in front of everybody and, um, and open up about the way you feel, and I don't know if you picked up on it, but, you know, Etrell used the word criminal, you know, um, I, I can't, you know, one of the things that as I was kind of processing, thank you buddy, appreciate it, as I was processing everything that's going on, is there's so many layers to this topic, and the way, you know, when, when Etrell came home, or on Tuesday, or like a week ago, I don't even know the time frame anymore, but you know, Nicole was videoing him, and I don't even know if he knew, and she shared, because we were talking about how is this conversation going to go on Sunday, and what I recognized is that the way that I've thought about, a little bit like what you said, Nicole, the way I've dealt with racism, you know, and injustice in my life is totally different than the way that my brother in Christ has dealt with it. I've never gone into a into a grocery store, the gas station, and, and thought they're going to look at me as a criminal, you know. But uh, the truth is that we have all, in some degrees, we've all been, we've been mis- mistreated, you know. We've been, somebody has done something that has betrayed us. And so thank you so much for being vulnerable. Our goal today, like I recognize that in 10, 15, 20 minutes, we can't really, we're not even scratching the surface. But our goal today is to begin the conversation, I believe that as a church, we need to learn to stand up. We need to, we need to be able to speak up. But before we do that, how about we just sit down and talk? And so that was the goal today, that we would lead by example. A lot of churches, they'll shy away from this topic because, oh, you'll lose people, you know, whatever you say will be taken out of context, you know, and then you lose people, you lose offerings, and, you know, it's all out the door. So a lot of churches, they just don't talk about it. And as a church, we've said, you know what? No, no, let's not be like the average church. Let's, let's tackle the issues. Let's, let's confront, you know, the different, you know, let's have a conversation in humility and, um, and let's see where we go. And I, and I told them, look, I said, whatever we say, something is going to be a little bit off. Someone will misinterpret or whatnot. Um, but I want you to hear what God's word says about these topics. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 17. Verse 22, Acts 17, 22. So Paul is in Athens, okay? He's in the great, finally made it to the great city of Athens. And there's a bunch of idolatry that's going on. And so he's just walking and, um, and he's, he's going to this place called Areopagus. Go ahead and say that with me, Areopagus. If you're, um, if you're following us online, go ahead and type that word. Good luck spelling that out. Areopagus, okay? So he's at this, this place, and he gets into a, a, a pretty big controversy, okay? He gets into this controversy with some philosophers, okay? And I want you to see what Paul says. Verse 22, 
It says this, Paul then stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens. Now, when he uses the word men, he's talking in generic terms. This translation, basically, you're, you're putting, you know, men, women, children, old people, young people, all of it. Okay, and he says, men of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious, For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now, I love what Paul is doing here. He's bringing them the gospel, but he's bringing it to where they're at. Okay, and any time, like I'm all about having a memorized presentation of the gospel, but when you are able to take that and bring it to where people, where they're at, wherever they're struggling with, wherever they're, you know, where they're, where, you know, whatever their environment is, I mean, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge win for you. And so you remember how you used to like do the, like the Romans road and you learned a bunch of verses from the book of Romans, or even like some of us have been training, like you need to learn your story because a story is great, a way to witness to people. Or maybe you have a, a verse, you know, like John 3.16 and you use that to witness to people. I think that's fantastic. But I think what's even better is when you can take that and allow people to relate to whatever, wherever they're at in life. I think this topic is where people are at right now, and I think God can use you to, uh, to bring the gospel to people. So Paul is doing that, and, you know, he's, he's, he's saying, you know, I've, I found this altar with this inscription to the unknown God, and he begins to talk to them about that. By the way, let me just say this. I've told our team, I said, as we do ministry, if we do ministry the way we were doing ministry 100 years ago, we're going to limit our potential. So one of the reasons why we've changed the stage, one of the reasons why we added some lights, we have cameras, we've gone online, one of the reasons is because we don't want to limit ourselves to the four walls in this church. We want to be able to bring the gospel to wherever people are at. And so Paul, listen to what he says. He says this. He says, now you worship what you worship as something unknown. I'm going to proclaim to you. I love how he says that. He says, basically, I'm going to tell you about this unknown God. I'm going to tell you about the true God, but since you don't know the true God, he's really the, the unknown God. And so he tells, he tells him in verse 24, he says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. I love this. You know, we're, we're coming up with this vision, you know, we feel like we're so smart, you know, not build independent. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Let's go with that. You know, we can promote it. You know, you just have to read the Bible, you know. I mean, God tells us from the very beginning. It's kind of what I said to you earlier, right? Like the church, we're not a building. We're not created to be stationary. Vivian got me a t-shirt. and I'm going to wear it one of these days. It says, the church has left the building. And I love it, you know. And so as a church... We need to recognize that, that our ministry, it goes so far beyond what happens just in here. Look at this. He says, verse 25, he says this. He says, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Now, verse 26 is our, our key verse, okay? Here it is. From one man, he made, help me out, okay? Help me read the highlighted section. From one, made, from one man, he made, let's read it together, every nation of men. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, And he determined, watch this, I mean, I could preach forever on this verse. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Did you know that God has put you exactly where you're at today, like strategically? Like there's no coincidence. Whatever you're going through right now, I mean, it could, be, it could be literally like hell on earth. You may be going through the worst circumstance in your life. You may be going through something that, man, you don't understand why your boss is like this. You don't understand why the finances are like that. You don't understand why the marriage is going by the wayside. You don't know what's going on in your life, and you're, you feel totally lost. Did you know that God teaches us 
that he has put every single one. Look at it. It's not, this is not, I'm not coming up with this. He determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. It's kind of like Esther, for such a time as this. And so if you're alive, he's got a purpose for your life. And he says in verse 27, God did this so that men would seek him. It's all about him. You know, Rick Warren wrote a book. It's not, and his first sentence in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, was, it's not about you. One of the most, I mean, I don't even know how many copies of that book he sold. He said, I've heard him in a conference once. He said, by the way, I can say this because he's given all of his money away. But he's, he like repaid his church all of the years. He'd been at his church for 30 years. He, he repaid them everything that they had ever paid for his salary. He tithed like, like reverse tithing. Like he gives like 90% away. He keeps 10. And he says that by the time that, you know, like the, the, the book, The Purpose Driven Life, it hit bookshelves and everything, said he could have bought himself a little island and, and drink one of those little drinks with the little umbrellas, you know. But I love the fact that he begins the book by saying, it's not about you. And so in verse 27 is the same concept. God did this, okay, so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from what? From some of you. From those of you who are white, or some of you who are Hispanic, or brown, or some of you, you know, no, 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 from each one of us, verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. Let me read, I want to jump because I want to wrap this up. Verse 31, one more time, or let me, let me kind of jump ahead there for a minute. Verse 31 says this, for he, God, has set, pay attention to this, this is important, don't, don't miss it. For God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. I believe some of you have not been treated fairly. Some of you, you were faithful at your workplace and they let you go when they should have let her go or him go and you were like upright and you were doing your things and you were saying your prayers and you were coming to church and you were serving him and they let you go. I believe some of you have been, been treated unfairly. I believe some of you, you've been looked at the wrong way. But listen to what God's word says. For he has set a day. The day has already been set. Like, we don't know what it is, right? Like, we don't know the future, but the, the day has been set when he, God, will judge the world with justice. Some of you, you've been cheated on. Some of you, you've been, somebody has been betrayed you, a good friend betrayed you. And there's a day, the Bible says, that he will judge all things with justice. I love that verse. It gives me a little bit of hope. That when I see the news and I see the junk that's going on in the world, I know that there is a God who will judge the world with justice. Verse 26, one more time because it's a theme verse and then, then we'll, we'll kind of wrap things up. From one man, he made every nation of men. From one man. You know what scientists have discovered recently? Like the last 10, 15 years, they've said, by the way, science is just catching up to the Bible. They've said that, <laughs> I thought this was funny, the DNA of all human beings can actually be traced back to two people. Do you know that? Science is saying now that through genetics and through DNA, you can take all of humankind and all, all of us, and you can actually trace it back to one couple. It's like, great, I could have, I could tell you their names, you know? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I read, I read this quote from the American uh, ABC News Science page. Um, listen to carefully, it's not on the screen. This is more and more scientists find that the difference that has set us apart are cultural, not racial. 
Some even say that the word race should be abandoned because it is meaningless. We accept the idea of race because it is a convenient way of putting people into broad categories. Totally agree. Frequently to suppress them. The most hideous example was provided by Hitler. You know, in the 1800s, when you talked about, when you use that word race, you know what people were talking about? Like the Irish race or the English race, totally different than the way we use it in our day today. Now, here's the danger that we face that a lot of times you will, in, in church world at least, you will have false teachers and they will, they will mix truth with things that are not biblical. And they'll say things like, well, you know, you know, Noah, after the flood, he had three sons, and from those sons basically come all races, okay? And, and so they're mixing a little bit of truth, okay? The Bible, can we put that verse up? Genesis, I think it's Genesis uh, 9, 19. Yeah, from Noah, after the flood, he had three sons, they survived. You know, it says there were three sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and uh, from them came all the people who were scattered all over the world. Yeah, I get it. I see it. But here's where they go wrong. They'll say, they'll say that, that Ham's lineage which was actually cursed. And they'll say that from his lineage actually came, like, is all the people that ended up in Africa, and those are all the black people, and they're cursed, and now they're, they're, they're slaves, and that's basically they have no hope. And so there are false teachers, false theologians that will look at a verse in the Bible. By the way, it was in Ham that was cursed. It was Canaan, only one of his sons. Okay? It was not the whole lineage. Okay? And so they say, oh, this is how they explain injustice. And that's totally false. You know how I know that? The book of Acts. You're, in, you're there. Let me prove it to you. So in Acts chapter, you see all three groups in the, in the book of Acts. Okay, you see, you see Ham, you see Japheth, you see Shem. Chapter 2, the, a, a Jew, a, the Jews basically get saved at Pentecost. The, that's the group that comes from Shem. Chapter 8, verse 27, an Ethiopian man gets saved. That's the group that would come from Ham. Chapter 10, we're going to look at that in a second. A guy, a guy named Cornelius, he gets saved. He represents Japheth. It's the majority of us right, right here. Now, all three groups, okay, and I'm, I notice I'm not saying racist because we are one human race. They all came from Noah and Noah came from Adam. But all three groups, God's salvation comes to Shem chapter 2, Ham chapter 8, and Japheth chapter, chapter 10. And so uh, God does not curse groups of people, okay? If you've ever heard of that, that is false teaching. Now, in chapter 10, something fascinating happens. I've never seen this before. Peter, remember Peter, the giant of the faith, the guy that walks on water? He was a little bit of a racist. He actually had a little bit of prejudice in, in himself. God tells him, I want you to go to this man, Cornelius, and talk to him. Talk to him, to him about the Lord. And you know what Peter says? Eh, nope, thanks, but no thanks. Kind of like Jonah. And God talks to Peter three times. I mean, of all people, you know, Peter should have been the one to learn. Like, he denied Christ. You know, that number three comes a lot with Peter. Denied Christ three times. Then God forgives him, meets him at the beach. You know, he's got a fireplace. He says, Peter, do you love me? And three times, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Yes, Lord, I know. And then years later, now God is saying, I want you to go to Cornelius. And Peter's like, nope, you've forgotten the grace of God. Three times. You know what he said? He said, I don't want to go to the house of Cornelius because it is unclean. I don't want to eat anything unclean. Those people look different than me. Those people do not behave like me. They're not, you know, the gospel should not go to them. Until eventually Peter gives up and he says, okay, Lord, I'll go talk to Cornelius. If you want me to talk to Cornelius, look in verse 27, Acts 10, 27, talking with him, Cornelius, Peter went inside and found a large, I thought this was, you know, God is so humorous sometimes, you know, you ever, don't ever tell no to God, okay? I'm just saying, okay? Like if he calls you to do something, don't say no because, you know, Peter goes inside and instead of talking to one man, like there's a large gathering of people, okay? And he's put in the middle of all that. And he said to them, you're well aware that it is against our law for a Jew 
to associate with a Gentile or visit him. So they even had rules and laws that said you cannot even mix with them. You cannot talk to them. You cannot go to their home. They were you know, human-made laws. They were not, had nothing to do with God's word. He says, you know what's going on, that I can't really visit this house and I shouldn't even be here. But God has shown me, he says, that I should not call any man what? Impure. God has shown me that I should not call any person unclean. Verse 34. Jump to verse 34. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. So thankful he doesn't. But accepts men from every, there it is again, accepts men, women, children, you know, like old people, young people, from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peter is talking, as he's talking, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to the Gentiles. And the people that Peter brought with him could not believe it. They were blown away. Verse 45, we'll close with this. It says the circumcised believers, the, the Christians that Peter brought, who had come with Peter, there it is, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentile. Oh, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit cannot be poured out on those people. They're unclean. Now I want to share this with you guys. Not that it's an issue at our church, but our goal as a church is to reach every single person in this town and abroad, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their education, regardless of what country they come from, regardless whether they're legal or illegal, regardless of whether they're old or young, whether they're Bible scholars or they're just totally ignorant. Our goal, there's nobody's exempt from the gospel. I don't care if they come from the most prestigious schools or jail. We're going to love them. That's what God has called us to do. Now, you may ask, okay, Pastor Alex, so you're saying that there's only one human race. Yep, that's what I'm saying. So then why do we look different? Well, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't if, you, if you find a, a biblical evidence for this, I'd love to hear. Personally, I don't know anywhere in the Bible that, that speaks to this. I can give you my opinion, and I can tell you maybe, you know, remember the Tower of Babel when, when humanity... And I think it's because of humanity and their depravity and pride, they came together to build this tower. And they really, essentially what they wanted to do is they wanted to become one. They wanted to become a God. And God says, nope, that's not going to, I alone am God. And he says, basically, he confuses them. He confuses their language. And maybe, I don't know this, this is not like, this is just my opinion. Maybe he introduced some changes there, physical changes. But without a doubt, let's be, let's be clear, Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are what? All one. We're one in Christ Jesus. One, maybe different groups of people. I love the word you use. You use the Hispanic community. Love that. You know, maybe we come from different communities, but we're one. And I love that as a church, before any of this happened as a church, God had put it in our heart. We want to be one family, culturally diverse. I love when we sing a song in Spanish and a little bit of English and we come together. Man, that's like the, it just thrills. I think heaven is going to be like that. So let me close by saying this. Most of us know what a busy day looks like, right? Like, we know when we cram things, right? Have you ever had a busy day? Like, man, I cannot handle, like, I've crammed my schedule. I mean, I have more events and chores and things to go to. And it's like, oh, you know, I don't know what to do. And it's just crazy life, right? I want you this morning, I want you to think for a moment. I want you to imagine a busy morning at this local hospital in South Carolina, just a small maternity area, where there are five sets of twins being born at the same time. Can you imagine that? Like if you've, if you ne- if you've never seen nurses on roller skates, you, you would have seen them on this day. Five sets of twins being born at the same time. All right? That is five moms, 10 different deliveries, five totally confused dads, you know, 
in one small hospital. And they were blown away when a single mom delivered these twin girls. Can we put, can we put them on the, on the screen? Take a look. They could not believe it. When they saw, in fact, they called it, doctors called it a, a, a million, a one in a million medical miracle. You have one child that is black, the other one is white, both born within minutes of each other. Same mom, same dad. That's what those twin girls are, a one in a million med- medical miracle. But when they grow up, they're going to be treated differently. When they grow up, they're not going to think they come from the same family unit. When they grow up, you know, they're not going to think that they have the same parents, the same mom, the same dad. One's going to be treated better than the other or differently. And their difference is literally only skin deep. That's it. That's the only difference. They're both daughters of the same father. They both have the same blood and the same way it is with every single human being alive today. And so Martin Luther King Jr. was right when he said, and you guys, I'm, I'm ready for whenever you guys were going to wrap. I've been saying we're going to wrap it up a lot this morning, okay? My heart was to wrap it up a little bit quicker, but I think he was right when he said, we must learn to live together as brothers or we will perish together as fools. You know, my heart is to, for Sunday mornings or for each message that you hear, is to, I want to be sort of like your spiritual coach. I want to be like your spiritual cheerleader, you know. And so I know that the times are crazy. I know that we're dealing with a lot of change. If you watch the news, you'll get depressed. But I want you to know there is hope. I was, you know, I was preparing the message, and um, I honestly, my heart broke, you know, when I saw some of the things that I saw on TV. I was just broken. Um, I just couldn't believe it. And then I got a notification on my phone from a, a post that Katie put on Instagram, our middle child. And it was of her and her best friend. It was her best friend's birthday. And can we put that up on the screen? And I saw that as I had the news on the backdrop watching. And I thought, you know what? She loves her friends regardless of the color of their skin. She would tell you those are her best friends. And so it's not all lost. I don't know that that picture could have been posted 60 years ago. There's still a lot of hope, you know. And I'm glad that I live in a world where my daughter, you know, I asked her if she, you know, knew what was going on. And she told me this morning that she finds out all of her news from TikTok, okay? So she knows what's going on. Um, Because I thought she was totally clueless. No, no, she's not clueless, you know? She knows what's going on. But the same tension doesn't exist in her heart. Because for years, people have taken a stand, the right stand. And so today was just, my heart was a baby step. The reason why we had the panel, and I know we've gone long, but the reason why we had the panel is to say it's okay for the church not to be silent. You know, we don't have to insult people. We don't have to get huge banners and, you know. We can love people. We can look at issues in a scriptural way. And by the way, if you're new to LifePoint, we don't allow the media cycle to dictate what we preach. But every once in a while, I think we need to, we better, we better look at what God says. One human race. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I pray that you let God's word speak to your heart. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, I pray that you would minister into us right now like only you can. I know this message may apply more for some people than others, but God, I pray that you would know that there is, that we would know that there's none like you. 
And like Nicole was saying, you took an adulterous woman and none of those men there had a a right to stone her. But the one who did have a right to throw a stone was you. And you chose forgiveness. You chose love. You chose patience. And so God, I don't know how we've been treated. I don't know how what people have done to us. I cannot even begin to imagine what Israel has gone through. And this issue has so many layers. But God, begin to work in our hearts like only you can. And let us release justice to you. You are the king on the throne. You are the advocate. You are the one that will judge all things. You're the one that all of us one day will, will be accountable to. Whether we're believers or not, we will bow our knees to you, to your son. And so my prayer today, God, is that we would lead not like churchgoers or people who sign up to a denomination, but that we would lead our lives as Jesus followers. We dedicate our lives to you and ask that you would do a work in us like never before. We may not be able to change the whole world, but we can change one person. We can have one conversation. Take this into people's homes, around the kitchen table, in their workplaces, and our friend, our circles of friends. And may we share love, grace, and our scriptural opinion of what you have to say about this issue. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.